Moms in the house. Let's give it up for all the moms. Wow. We love our moms. We love you, moms. We love you, mom. <laughs> wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, we, we are so happy to be having uh, this time with you and be able to spend time with you, be able to just, how many of you just having lunch with mom, hanging out with mom? That's, uh, to me, that time spent is more important than all the gifts, but how many, how many of you moms like getting gifts too? <laughs> Don't forget about the gifts, and if, you, if your mom's not here today and you're not going to see her today and you haven't even considered that today is Mother's Day, shame on you, but you need to call mom when you leave here today. Make sure you get her on the phone or go see her if you can, and I'll also say this. There might be some of you here today that you haven't even considered that maybe it's not mom. Maybe it's, maybe it's someone else who's been a mom to you, and they're not going to get that phone call. So reach out and connect with some people this week. Uh, today and after service today, and blood relative. It's somebody who's just been mothering to you and someone who's cared about you enough when nobody else cared. So there's, there's plenty of those moms around the, around the building and around the church this morning too. So if you didn't see on your way in, we have a very special gift for all the ladies today, especially for our moms, but uh, we have a, a, a special gift to share with your coffee time. For those of you who do coffee or tea, they're out on the foyer, and we'd like you to take one if you didn't get one on your way in, then certainly on your way out. But uh, I want to do something real quick, and I believe that Pastor Angela and Pastor Susan are in, in order over here to help me. But I would like to find out, if you are a mom in the house, and usually we don't, this is actually the first time we have ever done this that I can remember in the history of Relate, because we're very careful not to tell people we're going to call you out. But moms, we're going to call you out a little bit this morning. <laughs> if you are a mom, I'd like you to stand up in the room today. If you are a mom... Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yes, 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 we love you guys. So, here, here's what I'd like to do. If, I'd like to figure out which mom has the most kids and or grandkids. So, we're going to count your kids and grandkids. If you have more than two children, remain standing. So, this count, like two, if it's more than two, that would be kids and grandkids because we're counting... I need, we need the full number. Here we go. If you have more than three children and grandchildren, awesome. Wow. Four, five, five kids and grandkids. <laughs> we have, you're, you're anticipating six, six, seven, seven kids and grandkids total. Wow, wow, wow. I can't see everybody of the eight. Nine? <laughs> oh, we still have, how many we still got? I can't see. Two, three, three, three. Okay, ten. How many of you have ten kids and grandkids? Oh, my goodness. You guys, <laughs> we still got two or three? Three, four, uh, eleven. How many of you, <laughs> who's got eleven kids and grandkids? Oh, we have a tie. One, awesome. <laughs> very cool. We have a very special gift for you, so. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I don't know about you, but we really value not just relationships. We value community. We value family. And if you are a guest today, then uh, certainly we would love for you to be a part of this family. But we certainly understand that this church is not shouldn't be everybody's church, right? It's, you got to find the place that fits for you. So as much as I would say join a church, it doesn't mean that you have to join this one. We, 
We are so in love with the process and the people and what God is doing here. It, it really enables us. It helps us every single day to choose joy and to be not because of circumstances, but to know that we have people to, to run the race of life with. And our moms are certainly a part of that and dads and all of you guys to you. We're glad you're here today. And we hope that more than anything, especially we have two special guest speakers today, and that has never happened in the history of this, the short history. I keep saying history, but we're, we've only been here for a short time, so we're used to having firsts happen over and over and over again. Every week, something new happens for the very first time, so it's just a part of, uh, we, we've become accustomed to it. So uh, today, special guest speakers, Pastor Susan will be speaking in just a few moments. I'll invite her to come. And then Pastor Angela in the second service, and each of them will have an opportunity to, uh, to share with us here on this Mother's Day. But I want to I tell you this. If you are sitting in the room today and you have considered, you know what, I really want to get involved in a way that God's been working on my heart, we are about to start our second session of small groups for, our, for the summer se- season, and that is going to start June 9th. So if you're interested in hosting a small group, we want you to sign up in the foyer on the uh, orange Next Steps table right outside the door. You can put your name on that list. Someone will reach out to you, and you can get to the host train. This is pretty crazy, and I've been praying that it doesn't happen again, even though we got to meet Pastor Susan last, weather, last right? year during Mother's Day. During this exact service, right about this time, the fire alarm went off. Yes, so everybody is. had to go outside. I thought, man, we're never going to see anybody again. <laughs> we were so new at that point. We were just months old, and... It was, felt like a catastrophe, but we met so many people. We had a little service right out on the lawn over here. So Pastor Susan has become a great friend and partner in ministry and have grown to love your word and love the ministry that's flowing out of you and all the stuff that God is doing in your life, you. in your family, and around you. It didn't take us Amen. long to realize and recognize that this woman is a pastor. Whether she's called one or not, she's doing the work. And God is using her. So it's with that great pleasure this morning, I can invite you to come and Thank speak you. to us and share about Thank you. Rahab. Thank you. You know, I got to say that that Sunday when we went outside, that was the moment that the Lord told me, this is your church. I am planting you here. We were out in the grass having praise and worship, just waiting for the, the fire alarm and the lights to be able to come back on. But that was the moment that I knew. And sometimes God's going to give you those moments where you just know it in the weirdest circumstances, right? I'm telling you, it was, it was amazing, but I'm so blessed to be here. I am so blessed to be able to be mentored by our pastors. Y'all give it up for them because I'm telling you, they are being led by the Lord, and that's what you look for. You want somebody who is spirit-led, amen? Well, um, we're going to continue with Pastor Sean's series, and the last two weeks, we've been going through the series Running with the Giants. How many of y'all have been here for that? I can't see you very good, so this is how it's going to work today. If I'm, if I'm hitting your heart, God's working on you. You're hearing something that's applying to you. I need a shout back. Can we just practice that real quick? Can I get a woohoo? Can I get an amen? I hear you. Come on. Okay. Because this word is not from me. This word is from God. Okay. This has been prayed over. This is anointed and it's appointed for each one of your hearts. And I want you to receive it today. So get into that mindset right now that God's got a word for each one of you. And it's going to be different for each one of you. I'm looking for. Okay, so if you've been here the last two weeks, we're going through this series called Running with the Giants. It's all based on the scripture, uh, Hebrews 12, 1, 
okay, where we're bringing down one of the great hall of faithers that have gone on before us. So these are all the people that had amazing stories that God used throughout the Bible, okay, and that we can apply a lot of what we learn from them into our everyday lives. So like he said last week, we pulled out one. The week before, we pulled out one. And so in honor of the ladies today, what? We are pulling out Rahab. I know she likes Rahab, and I love this, and it's so timely because not too long ago, we were just talking about this in our small group, and we were able to pull out some amazing things that we are learning through the life of Rahab, okay? And if you don't know who she is, you're about to know real quick. But first, I want to go over our scripture verse for the series, okay? It is Hebrews 12.1. It's an amazing scripture. We're going to dig into this today, and you're going to feel it and know it like you've never known before. Therefore... Pastor Sean always says, when you hear that word, get ready because God's about to speak. Therefore, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Okay, this goes back to all those greats that have gone on before us. Let us throw off everything that hinders, okay, the sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance. Can y'all say that? Perseverance. The race marked out for you. Let's pray real quick. God, I just thank you so much for each and every soul that is in these seats today. God, I just thank you for this message that you've placed on my heart to speak for you, Father. Let my lips be yours. Let my tongue bind with yours, Father. I ask that each and every person here receive something that's meant just for them today, God. We ask that every word be spirit-led, every word be focused on what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump right in, and I'm going to, y'all got to understand I'm over 40, okay, so my notes are large print, so I'm going to keep looking down on them right there, and I'm getting used to this fancy new um, TV that I have to look at, and it has a timer that's going. I'm very long-winded, so I'm going to talk very fast, so just stay up with me, all right? All right, so what can we, what can we learn about Rahab? We're going to pull her down. What is she going to tell us about her story? You might think, if you know who Rahab is, you might think, I don't have anything in common with her, but oh, we do. We all have a little something, okay? What can she say? What can she encourage us with? And what we're doing is we're pulling all these people down from the stands. So imagine you're at a big, you're in a stadium, okay? You're at, say, a track meet. How many of y'all ran track in high school? I know some of the teenagers do right now, cross country, sprinting, okay? I I didn't do a, well, I did. It was art. That's what I did in school. So... (laughs) It was a sport. It was hard. Okay, so imagine you're in this stadium, and we're pulling down one of these great Hall of Faithers down to to run a race with us as we're running. And they're whispering in our ear, and they're running next to us saying, you can do this, you can do this. Okay, we want to find out what does Rahab have to say to us to encourage us during our run. All right, so I've got some points I'm going to go over, and y'all, I am spirit-led, so if I hit all of these, great. If I don't, you know it's from God. But if you've got your notes that were out on the teachers are right there, all the points, it is good stuff. You are going to want to go back over it and read it again later, because again, I talk very fast, so stay with me, all right? So God searches for you to be in his story. Number one, we got to let God write our story, okay? He is waiting right now with paper and pen, patiently, just waiting, just like this. He's just waiting for the nod. Go, you got this, God. Take it from me, okay? First and foremost, let God write your story, okay? But we want you to know first that God is always searching for you to be in his story. That's point number one. You know, I read that at first, and I was like, "Ah, I don't know if I like it. Honestly, I don't like the way that's worded. I better change it, but I didn't. Because you know what? It's not about God's really looking for us. God knows where we're at every minute of every hour of every day, right? 
But the way God is searching for us is he is an amazing author. He is the author of this story of life. He is the author of God's word. He wrote it all. He writes us every day. But he's searching for us like a great author searches for his characters that he's given a talent of this, a talent of that, you know, a characteristic of that. So he's searching for each one of us to find and uniquely place into the story how he needs to use us. So do y'all get that? God searches for you. He gave you a talent. He gave you a gift. He gave you a purpose. And it's all for part of his story. Okay, so he searches for you for a story. And I'm going to start with Joshua 2.1. This is the beginning of Rahab's story, okay? Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. That's a good story when it says secretly. Okay? Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Well, if you didn't know who Rahab was, now you know. Rahab was a prostitute. Whoa. Hold on. Susan, you said I would have something to do with her. There would be a connection. Nope. Wrong. But we're going to get into and see exactly how she relates to you. I love this because I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory. If you know Jericho and you know the story of the walls falling down, this is the same Jericho. Okay, so, you know, they marched around seven times. They blew their horns. All the walls fell down. That is going to happen later. But this is where we really see God working in the story, okay? He's making his arrangements. He's making his behind the scenes. And he is about to use Rahab, which in effect is going to bring the walls come crumbling down. All right, so let's just talk about her for just a second. Rahab was a prostitute. Did you know the other three times she's mentioned in the Bible, it's always the harlot, the prostitute. How would you like to go out in history for that, right? You know what? It's not, a, it's not the best title of ever, but you know what? I'm not remembering her for that at all. Once we dig into the story and we know how her story applies, it doesn't. We're like, who, what? Who cares? It's all about the past, and God only wants to look at your future. Okay, so anyway, at this point, he sends the spies and he says, you know what, go into Jericho, especially Jericho. They have to go in, they have to search out, see what they need to overturn, what kind of obstacles they're going to run into. They come in and they land at Rahab's house. Well, the really cool thing about this is Rahab built her house into the walls of the city. And the walls of Jericho, they say, were so wide that sometimes the king's men would have like chariot races on top of them, if that gives you an idea and a picture of how wide these are. So later when we see these walls come crumbling down, we know this is substantial, okay? This is big. So she had built her house into the walls on the edge of the city. So this was a really easy place for them to get in unnoticed and get out unseen. So they thought. And I tell you, when I'm studying the Bible, and maybe this will apply to somebody, if, if you're feeling like, I just don't understand it sometimes, I just can't get it, place yourself into those times and those situations that are happening. Do you ever do that? It helps me understand each one of these characters and their situation. So I like in this story to put myself into the place of Rahab and think, okay, what was she feeling at this moment? What were the circumstances happening? What was going on around her? So she sees these two men walking up to her door. Honestly, she probably thought business as usual, right? That's what she did. We know she was a prostitute. But I like to believe this is not in Scripture. This is the PSV version, the Pastor Susan version. I, I believe 
that she saw this and thought business as usual. But the minute she opened the door, I feel like the power of God came over her. And this is when she knew. She knew where these men were coming from. And she says to them, you know what? I know who you are. I know who sent you. I know that you're God to be the true God. I, we have already, everybody in the city is terrified of what you're coming to do. We know. We, your God dried up the Red Sea. We know that your God um, defeated the armies at Jordan and defeated kings. We are shaking in our boots, in other words. I know who you are, but you know what? They probably already know that you're here. They're expecting you to come. I'm going to hide you. So when we go back to that track meet for a second, you know, there's some very important things in a track meet. Number one, you have to kind of get ready, right? What do you do? They stretch, you know? Y'all get to see me doing my calisthenics up here. You stretch your muscles. You stretch your legs. You do your signs. Is that part of it? I don't know. But you loosen up your muscles. You get prepared and get ready because you know you've got an endurance event ahead of you, right? So not only do you have to get, prepare yourself and get ready, but you have on your mark, then you have get set, and then you have go. So these are all steps in the process, right? So I believe just by her opening that door, she's loosened up her muscles. She knows I'm getting ready to run for God because she says, I believe your God to be true. Okay, so she takes them up, and I'm going to run through this story. I just want to fill you all in so if you don't know the story that you get a little bit of tidbit here. She takes them up to her roof, and she hides them. She hides them under this flax, which is kind of like a, a long grain-like uh, grain. Okay, and then they take it up to the, ro- the rooftops to dry it out to be able to use for things because, of course, they're in the desert. It's hot heat, like here. I'm melting. <laughs> they take it up. So you can imagine... Piles of that, four to feet long, four to five feet long, stacked up is a great place to hide someone, right? So she takes them up, she hides them, and lo and behold, the king's men come and say, you know what? We saw two men come in here. We know who they are. We think that you're hiding them. Where are they at? Release them to us. And she says, oh, they're gone. Okay? This is Rahab getting on her mark. She's already loosened up. Yeah, she lied. It's for the kingdom. That's what I say. It's for the kingdom. But this is her getting on her mark. She is preparing because she knows her life is about to change. Her story is about to change. She is about to begin a run of a race that is going to be generations of change. She says, no, they're gone. They've already left. I don't know why they were here. Go, go find them, catch them. They just, they've left the city gates. You probably can catch up to them. So they come out and they say, all right, thank you so much for hiding us. You know, and this is where... Rahab's gifts really begin to shine. She wasn't just a prostitute. Remember, she's a human being just like us. She had the same fears. She had the same worries. She had the same quirky personality, I'm sure. But this is where we start to see one of those very important gifts that God gives, which is intelligence, the smarts. She says, you know what? I did for you. Now you're going to do for me. I believe your God to be true. I want you to save me, not only me, because I don't know what your plans are here, but I'm sure it's to destroy the city. I don't want to be part of that. But I want you to save my family. So me and my family, this is what she asked of the spies to start her new life. Save me and my family. She could have asked for anything. And you think about what, what would we ask for these days? Riches, money. Uh, I want a nicer house when y'all take over the city. I want to be part of the royalty, whatever system you have set up. But she didn't. 
She wanted to save herself. She wanted to save her family. And we're kind of led to believe that they were estranged. They didn't live with her. Was she rejected by them for what she did for a living? It's a sad place to be, right? I can see I'm getting off scripture already. All right. So she chose her family, and this is where we go into God always makes a way for us to be in his story. This is where we really see, we're seeing the arrangements being made. Just like Pastor Sean came up a minute ago during worship and said, you know what? He's always preparing. He's always doing. He's always arranging. He's always placing. He's always preparing you, and he's always searching for you in the story. Okay, I need this gift right here. Who has this gift right here? She has this gift. I'm going to take her, and I'm going to place her right here, but I need her to say yes and allow me to use her first you got to say yes first. All right, Joshua 2, 17 through 21. Here's what happens. An oath was made. Okay, Joshua, where are we at? That is a revelation scripture. That's not it. I need Joshua 2. Who had made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. But if you tell what we're doing, we're going to be released from the oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. This is so important to really take a look at how God's preparing in your story and arranging things to happen. So they say, you know what? Agreed. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. But here's what, when we come back, after we escape and we come back to take over this city, we need to see this red scarlet cord hanging from the window to know that you and your family are inside and that we can remove you before we take over this city. So that's what she does. She puts the red scarlet cord out the window and they leave. I love this because what we're already seeing here, she is putting out this, this red scarlet cord is her, her sacrifice of her city, okay? It is the potential sacrifice of her own life, the potential sacrifice of her family's life, just through this scarlet cord. And it's already a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice for all of us that's to come. Do you see how God works? She doesn't even know this yet. She doesn't even understand it. Years later, this is going to happen. But we're already seeing God working in this story, working in her story through that scarlet cord. Isn't that good? I'm telling you guys, it's good. Come on. That is good. Oh, my gosh. I love it. All right. So we're seeing this. She says yes to God. Her life and her story is just beginning. She's running her race. She's got her running shoes on. She's hit that on your mark, get set. Now she's gone. They come back. They take her. Her life moves on. And then we see this point that says, here's the awesome part. God always has a redemptive story to your a redemptive ending to your story. Okay. Always has a redemptive ending. Always has a redemptive ending. God cannot do anything else but give you a redemptive ending. Has anybody in this place today had their redemptive ending? They have seen what God can do in their life. Well, here's the awesome part. We're going to talk about how awesome Rahab's redemptive ending was. Remember, what was she? I'm telling you, God takes the worst of sinners. But you know, right before I came up here, I said, Pastor Angela, I'm feeling led to share something. I'm feeling led to share. You think it'll be okay? Pastor Sean doesn't know. 
She's like, go for it. I'm like, are you sure? Okay, so before I go into Rahab's redemptive ending, a lot of people don't know this, but I want to just share a quick tidbit about me. My small group knows it because I shared it with them. I trusted them, and I trust all of you, and I I hope you guys are okay with me being transparent because guess what? I am human. Been there, done that. I, whew. Okay, because this took place on Mother's Day. It breaks my heart every time I think about it. Years ago, before I was married... And before, you know, I settled down a little bit, um, I was in a really bad relationship. I mean, I was, this relationship was built on fear. This relationship was built on um, abuse, uh, neglect, rejection, hurt, hate. And I remember praying every single day, God, save me. God, rescue me. How did I get myself into this place? God, I'm a preacher's kid. How did this happen? I know better. And every day I'd say, God, save me. God, rescue me. And, you know, one day, suddenly, and that's how God works, right? You see that word? All That's my favorite word in the Bible, suddenly. Because your situation can change like that. God takes me out of the situation. He changes it instantly. You think, hey, hey, there's her redemptive ending. Everything's good. God saved her from this horrible relationship, but it's not. I left out of that relationship feeling hurt, feeling confused, feeling... Like, oh my gosh, how did, how did I allow this to happen? Really, really sad. And it kind of put me into a tailspin. I started drinking more. I started dabbling in this drug. I started dabbling in that drug. And before I knew it, I found myself in jail one night. Yep, me. The worst of sinners. I'm not going to lie to you. I am not perfect. I am not perfect, but I'm, let me tell you, I'm, I'm redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. I found myself in jail, and it was Mother's Day weekend. Fun for long. There was no judge until Monday. So guess who gets to sit there till Monday? Me. Here's the part that gets me every time. By the time I had phone privileges, it was on Sunday. It was on Mother's Day. And I had to wait. My dad is a pastor, so my mom doing the pastor's wife thing. I had to wait for them to make it home. Because growing up Southern Baptist, we love to eat in the fellowship hall. Anybody? Okay. I had to wait for them to get home from the fellowship hall. But, you know, by the time I can call my mom, my mom answers the phone, and here's what she hears. You have a collect call from an inmate in a county jail. And just side note, I do have a brother that's always been the black sheep, so she probably thought it was him. Okay? But she didn't hear his voice. She heard mine. I said, Mom, it's me. And before she could say, what happened? She said, are you okay? I'm praying for you. I said, mom, save me. Mom, rescue me. Mom, come get me. Come get me out of here. Come get me tomorrow. She said, you know what? I'm going to be there. Don't worry. She did. Fast forward. She picked me up the next morning. I get in her car. And she says, you know what? We can talk about all what happened later. But I want you to tell you, because I was upset, clearly. I'm an emotional wreck. I feel Like, I've disappointed myself. I've disappointed my family. I've disappointed my father, who's a pastor. I've I've probably disappointed his church. Oh, the worst place ever. And she looks at me, and she says, you know what? I love you. God loves you. God is going to use this to touch somebody else's life. So this is not you. This is the you right now, but this is not the you that you're going to be. And until that day happens, I'm going to pray over you. So I don't know who this is for right now, but I'm telling you, mamas, don't stop praying for your babies. 
Don't stop praying for your kids. We cannot stop praying for our kids because those prayers matter. They matter. And I would love to tell you that that was my redemptive ending, but it wasn't. I tailspinned even more until I had to have that one moment with God that it was just me and God. It was no circumstances around me, but I hit my knees one night in my bedroom alone, and I said, God, take this pen, take this paper, because I cannot do this anymore. My story is not working. I am a dead end everywhere I go in this story. Please take it. Use me. Let me be your vessel. And I'm standing here today as part of that testimony. So I'm telling you, look, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can and will use you. And your story will have a redemptive ending. So I'm going to fast forward here to Rahab's. I'm going to read this really quickly because you're, you're going to hear, wah, 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 wah. Okay. So the next one says, uh, Matthew 1 through, 1 through 3, 5 through 6. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, father, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Do you hear what I'm saying? Wah, 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 okay? But I'm going to break it down to you right now. Rahab moves into the promised land with the Israelites and God's people. God's changing her story. She's running, remember? She's on a race now. God has changed her story. She gets married. She finds a husband. Okay, the one who lived her life as a prostitute, men through man after man, finds a loving husband. His name is Salmon. And a little side note on Salmon, he is known as like the father of Bethlehem. And what that means when you're called that is you're kind of like a, a, a founding father. You kind of help create that town. You kind of, you're on the board of the directors of that town, okay? So she married, and that's very significant, okay? We're going to talk about that in a second. But she marries this man named Salmon. Together... She has a baby. Her story is just going, right? Named Boaz. How many of y'all know who Boaz is? Okay, do you see God working here? Man, God is working. He's working. Boaz, you know the story of, of Ruth and Naomi. Oh, my goodness. Well, we keep looking at the lineage further and further down. Then we see who comes up, this little shepherd boy named David. Y'all know who David is? Little shepherd boy that God took his humble beginnings of just watching dirty sheep and turning him into a king. Another redemptive story. But when we look at David, we go even further down the lineage, and then comes the ultimate king, King Jesus. Y'all better celebrate that right now. Amen and amen. Through Rahab, she's known as the prostitute. She's known as the harlot. But through her story, come out the other end, is Jesus from the scarlet corn. I'm telling you, every one of your stories will have a redemptive ending. It's gonna it, there's no way around it. Ooh, I'm on page two. That is good. Yes. All right. Let me look at my time. All right, I'm going to go quick. I got seven minutes. All right. Now, what is Rahab saying to us? We've pulled her down, right? She's running along, along beside us. Okay, Susan. You got to hear me out. Here's what I'm going to say to encourage you, okay? The first one is that God's inviting you to, part, to be part of his story. All you got to do is join him. That's it. The invitation is open. It's open anytime, day or night. You can just say yes. All you got to do is say yes and join him. It's, 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 it's that easy. The gift of salvation, the gift of God, the gift of a brand new story, a brand new life is as easy as the word yes. Can you all just say that yes? That's it. See, you have said it. Redeemed. All right. John 8, 12 says this. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never have darkness, but will have the light of life. Have y'all ever heard that saying, let me shed some light on the situation? Have you ever said that? Do you know what that means? Think about it. Uh, let me clarify something for you, is what that means. Let me, um, let me illumify what's really going on here. Let me reveal to you what you're not understanding. This is what the scripture's saying. Let me shed some light on you. Let me shed some light on your situation. Let me show you what my light can do for you. Let me show you with my light the things in you that are not of me. That's the hard part sometimes. Let me shine some light on you. You know, I, I think about Rahab, and again, I put myself into her place, and I say, who was she? What was she living? You know, she built her life into walls. That right there will preach to you. You know, her, her, her home was look where it could overlook the city, but still be on the outskirts, but still be on the edge of town where she's separated from everyone else. Is that how she felt living? Was that her life? Secluded. She built herself into walls of sadness, probably. Um, neglect. She probably didn't have a lot of friends for what she did. She was probably looked down upon. She was frowned upon. She, she built this, this wall, and she knew there's something better. And I hope that all of you know that. Whatever your walls are today, that there's something better. And the way that God works is every time we say, God, rescue me, God, save me, he pulls a rock right out of that wall for us so that his light can shine through. And then we say it again, God, save me, God, rescue me. And you know what his word says? That he will always provide a way out for you. So he's going to say, yes, you know what? Let me, let me just come remove one more rock for you. So before we know it, we have this full opening, this full window of God's light shining in on us. And what do we do? Let's be honest. Here's what I feel. It feels amazing. And yes, I see everybody else's life is fulfilling. And yes, I see, yes, everybody's got joy. Everybody's doing great things for the kingdom. But let me come back in here because this is what I'm used to. This is what I, I've allowed myself to grow into. Because, you know, I think Rahab, probably the first time she ever had one of her, her acts, she probably felt uncomfortable. She probably thought, you know what, this is not right. I don't like this. Why am I doing this? But then after you do something so long, you start repeating yourself, what happens? It becomes normal. It becomes your normal. You find yourself behind these walls of sadness, of rejection, of hurt, of unforgiveness, your family rejecting you. I mean, come on, somebody in here has got something like that happening. But every time, we just go right back in, and we put another rock right back in to where God has pulled it out. What are your walls today? Man, I had to really think about that when I was like, gosh, you know what? I'm running for God, and I love him, but I still have walls. I still have walls that need to fall down. All right, so Luke 9, 23 and 24 says this. I only got two minutes. All right. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Go. All right, so I'm going to keep going um, <laughs> once that pops up. All right, so let me tell you something. One thing that I've heard a lot from people is they, when they're staying in their walls and they refuse to give up and they give to God, and a lot of times they say, what's holding you back? What is holding you back from just giving your life to God? Well, 
Let me tell you, my family is known for alcoholism, and that's just how it's going to be for me. It's a generational curse. Ugh, I hear that all the time. Well, you know what? My family just, you know, we've always had money problems. It's just in my DNA. My credit's going to be horrible forever. It's just a generational curse. Pastor Sean even shared with us in his family, taking their own life. He could have easily said, it's a generational curse. I'm going to follow it. But it's not about the generational curses. It's about the generational changes. I'm telling you, Rahab made generational changes for the kingdom. She's making generational changes to right now. Look where we're at in 2019. We're sitting here getting preached to by Rahab the prostitute. She's encouraging us. All right, so I'm going to go down to point number two. God wants to uh, surprise you with his love. All you got to do is accept him. All you have to say is yes. She's running beside us, and she's saying, I too was sad. I, too, was lonely. I, too, wanted to have a husband. I, too, wanted to have a family. I, too, had dreams and aspirations. I, too, wanted friends. I wanted best friends. I, too, didn't want to feel rejected. This is what she's saying next to us. But then she says, but God. Can y'all say that? But God. But God's changed me. God has given me a reason to run. And I love that. And then point number three says, God wants you to love others with your actions. Serve him. It is that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. As we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions and in truth. Not just words and speech. We can give lip service all day long. But it's actions and truth. Faith without action is dead. Let me tell you something. Your race that you're going to run, that's an action. That's an action. All right, do you get that? It doesn't mean you have to go to Africa. Maybe God will call you there. I used to think that. Now I'm like, please send me. But your race is an action. As you're running along the way, you're going to minister to people. You're going to stop and help people. You're going to pick others up and elevate them. You're going to give them the goods. You're going to tell them the word. All along your race as you're running, that is action. That is faith. That is not just lip service. So finally with this, I'm going to close with this. God signs his name to your story. Do you know that a book is way more valuable when you have the author sign it for you. He signs every single. We ain't got to stand in line for it. I would probably fangirl a little bit though. Like, oh my God, God's going to sign my book. It's really God. But he signs his name to every single story. He's going to give you that redemptive ending. So many of us are running, but we're running the wrong way. We're running, but we've got our head turned back this way, right? We're, we're running from that past. How close is it to me? I need to, I need to get further and further away. Guess what? News flash. You're already running. Just change directions. Can I tell you that? Just change. That's all. You're already running. I'm going to close with this. I keep saying that. Cue music. First Timothy 5.17, because I'm in the red. Sorry. I'm going to finish this. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. 
Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. He can use me as a prime example. He can use you as a prime example. You just got to come out of those walls. You just got to, you got to say yes. It's not, I'm not even going to say take that risk because it is not a risk. This is 100% foolproof plan. There is no risk. All you have to do is you have to say yes. You got to put on your running shoes and you got, you got to get ready to go. God makes life change happen. And it's for everyone. So I want you to think for just a minute. What are your walls? Like Rahab, what have you built yourself into? Is it sadness? Is it a need to belong? Is it a need to have a family? Is it a need to have a spouse? You gotta give that over to God. Let him write your story. You've got to give him pen and paper today. And all you gotta do is say yes. Can you say yes again? That's how easy it is. This last scripture, 1 Timothy 5.17, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Can you say that? He alone is God. He alone is God. I'm going to pray with you today. If I could just get you to just close your eyes and bow your head. And then in a minute, when I finish this prayer, I want you to keep your heads down. And I want you, I want to give you that opportunity to say yes today. God, I just thank you for each and every one of these people here today. God, I hope that this message just rests on their heart, that they take it, they receive from it, and they can just give it all to you, each and every little thing, God, that they're holding on to, to know that you're going to be there to save them. You're going to be there to rescue them. You're going to be there to pull a rock out of that wall until the light comes shining through, and there is no light like your light. There's no light like your light. God, I just pray for change. For the decisions that are going to be made here today. And as you think about where you're at in your life, I want you to think about where you could be. God's going to use you. So right now, I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I want you to keep your head bowed, your eyes closed with no one looking. I want you to take this opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. He gave everything for you. Who else is going to do that? So if you're finding in your heart today, maybe maybe you already know God, but you want to recommit your life today, and you're ready to say yes, and maybe you've been running, but you've been slowed down, and you're ready to get right back on track, or maybe you've never said yes to him ever, ever at all. Today's the day that your life can change. So if that's you today, you want to say yes to Jesus. You want to start fresh. You want a whole new story. You believe that Jesus came and he gave his life for you and he was raised from the dead for you. Right now, I just want you to raise your hand. (laughs) Thank you so much. Your life is changing. Thank you. Thank you, God. I want you to repeat this after me. Thank you, God, for raising your hand. Life change. Life change, it starts right now. It's foolproof. 
I want everybody to repeat after me, whether you're saying it for the first time or you've said it hundreds of times. Father God, thank you for giving me life. I receive those changes. Write my story. I want to live for you. Thank you for giving your life to save even me. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, clap, applause. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus. What an exciting only moment. A minute and a half over. <laughs> you did awesome. Let's give it up for Pastor Susan. Only a minute and a half. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. She'll be back. She'll be back. <laughs> what a day. I want to say again, happy.